Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. I know this is a happy day. We are back here gathered for worship, and some of you good folks are gathering us on Zoom, assuming the Zoom thing is working. (laughs) You never know. It is really good to be together, and it's the first day of spring, as several of you mentioned, and there's even going to be coffee after church, thanks to Frank. We have plenty of reasons, don't we, to be hopeful and to be happy, but I have to tell you, my spiritual companions, that there is also despair in my heart these days. And I expect there might be some despair in your hearts too. Despair for our world and all the suffering around. Despair for what we have been through these last two years and for all that has been lost. How can there not be Tell me about despair, Mary Oliver wrote, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscapes. We do have this beautiful world to comfort us. And we do have the Spirit moving in our midst, and we do have each other, thank God. We have all these blessings. And as the UU minister and theologian Rebecca Parker wrote, in the midst of a broken world, unspeakable beauty, grace, and mystery abide. There is an embrace of kindness that encompasses all life, even yours. What's become even more obvious to me over these past couple of years is that to live in this world, you have to be able to hold both sorrow and joy, both despair and hope. And that's something we get to practice every Sunday here. And we practice it every day, all the days in between, don't we, in our lives. I honestly don't know how I would have gotten through this pandemic without you all, without a community like this one. On this two-year pilgrimage, I am so grateful for how you have been such faithful travelers, for all the ways you have been caring and compassionate, patient, and persistent. Back when I was a photographer, I once did a week-long workshop in Santa Fe with a National Geographic photographer whose work I admired But I really went because I had a sense of who he was as a person, and he was somebody whose feet I wanted to sit at. He had a spiritual sensibility that I wanted to be in the presence of. 
His name was Sam, and he said that when he traveled overseas, he always hired a local photographer as his assistant. He said, I don't need help carrying my gear. All my cameras and lenses are just in this one bag. I can manage. That's not why I hire an assistant. He said, it helps to have someone who's a local guide who knows their way around when you're traveling on assignment in a foreign country, but that's not why I have an assistant either. He said, when you're out on assignment, at some point in time, things always go wrong. And when things go wrong, when that happens, you need to have someone to commiserate with. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Rather than seeing this commiserating as complaining, what if we saw it as giving voice to our doubts and our fears and our frustrations? What if we saw this giving voice as an act of health and healing, a necessary step in moving towards more hope and more faith? Back when I was training for ministry and doing my chaplaincy internship, that was a rather intense time, and it was designed to be. Completely by accident, one of the other guys who was in the program that I was in, we discovered a way to blow off steam. We had this little chaplain's office down at the end of one of the, off the main corridors of the hospital. And one day, the two of us were in there alone. And one of us closed the door tight. And we started saying as loud as we wanted to swear words to each other. <laughs> it was blessedly irreverent and liberating. And that was not the only time we did it that summer. And we often ended up both laughing and with tears streaming down our faces. And that was a blessed and needed release. I'm not suggesting you try it here in the middle of Sunday worship, but... So on this day when we are gathered back together, and some of you are gathering with us from a distance, you've done this already, but I want to encourage you. I think it's good to make an intentional act of this looking around and seeing one another. If you're willing to right now, look around and... Because this, this truth that has gotten me through these past two years, and I expect it's gotten you past through these past two years too, this saving truth that we are in this together. And so will you look somebody in the eye right now or look at somebody on your screen and say, we are in this together. We are in this together. Will you do that to somebody right now with that? Thank you. If nothing else, yeah, keep on going. <laughs> if nothing else, hasn't this pandemic shown us how much we need one another. 
and how much we depend on one another. If I have learned anything over these past two years, it's that I don't want to go it alone. I can't. But we live in this culture that celebrates and encourages a kind of heroic individualism, don't we? I certainly like my share of solitude, but I have no interest in trying to go it alone. It was so good to have our young people with us at the start of worship this morning. But it's a lot, you know, these days to be a young family, especially these days. And I'm so grateful for our families here and for what they bring to our congregation. And I hope that being part of this church helps them. That we are a place where there's support and care and encouragement and for those of us whose children are gone or who haven't been parents ourselves, that they know that we have hands that are here ready to help. Back when our children were little and I was running my little photography business, that was a lot to me and it was, those were normal times. And one day I came home from work feeling stretched, thin, trying to be a decent father and husband and photographer, but worried that I was falling down on those jobs. And I confessed this to my wife, Tracy. I said, I can't hold it all together. And she said the perfect thing. She said, it's not one person's job to hold it all together. We are in this together. Sometimes Tracy jokes with me. She says that she's my unpaid ministry consultant. <laughs> and that is truer than you will ever know. <laughs> what she does is invisible to you, mostly. But I am ever grateful for her support and wisdom, and I never want to do this work without her. And neither do I ever want to be without the staff that we have here right now. Much of what they do is also invisible, at least some of the time. But I can say without any reservation that this is the finest staff team that I have ever had the privilege to work with. And I am so grateful for them. Thank you. Over the past two years, everyone on our staff team has had to learn new ways of doing church. And they have taken on things that weren't necessarily their job, but that needed doing as we tried to find new ways to help people connect, to help you all stay connected. In addition to being a musician and directing our choir, Lisa became a software troubleshooter and tech support for her singers. Claire took on organizing our pastoral care efforts. Nate started recording the music, something he'd never had to do before, and singing along with the hymns, he became our worship song leader. Lauren learned how to wor edit worship videos. Tori 
Dear Tori started her internship here in a time when it's been hard to get to know folks, when you can't see their faces, but hasn't she moved seamlessly into our hearts and into this congregation with her gifts, including her presence and her preaching? I'm so grateful for you all so much. As Taffy mentioned already, we are at this time of year when we ask you to make a financial commitment to the church for the coming year. It's an extraordinary time right now for faith communities. And many churches are struggling because these last two years, they have been hard. They have been hard. And we're not perfect here, but we have done pretty well through this pandemic. Because there is a spirit here, a sense of community and connection and commitment to one another that I am ever grateful for. And that has really gotten us through, hasn't it? We are in this together. And if nothing else, these past two years have taught us that in a deeper way. We need one another for support and encourage, encouragement. We need one another as companions in joy and in sorrow. Yep, we need each other's help and encouragement. And now, speaking for you all as the gathered congregation, we need your money. I hope you trust that whatever you're able to give to your church is a damn good investment. That you know we will spend it wisely here and well and that it will pay dividends not only in our congregation but out in the wider world. Maybe more than you can imagine. Especially this year, as Taffy mentioned, I want to see us pay our staff a little better. They are such good people, so devoted and caring and competent at what they do. And so I ask you to look at our stewardship brochure and picture your church family and our awesome staff here and take some time to consider what you're able to give and then fill out that pledge card and bring it back or send it in. Thank you. So let's hear... Gretchen Haley's words about gathering for worship one more time. We gather here to practice surrendering to the waves of grace and grief in song, in silence, in story. We come to remember the possibility of a larger call that we might offer our gifts with a surprising generosity that we might release ourselves from needing to know, that we might simply be present to this beauty, to these partners, to this hope that we make together. This hope that we make together. We are in this together, all we kindred, pilgrim souls, simply being here 
being present, accepting what is, don't we see that we have what we need? That it is enough. It is more than enough. And that is good. It is very good. Amen.